You're listening to the Armchair Cricket Podcast. Hello all. Welcome to another episode of Armchair Cricket Podcast, a podcast focusing on test cricket by armchair critics of the game. Following on from the previous episode, during my holidays, I'm still able to catch up with a few old friends with whom I have discussed cricket and their love for cricket. So in today's episode, joining us is a very special friend of mine, Pawan. Hello, Pawan. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, Ajit. Thank you so much for uh, making me a part of this show. It's always a pleasure for us. So we are always looking to chat with like-minded people, especially, you know, if we've known each other off air, it really helps. The camaraderie helps, I suppose. You know, uh, what? Let, let me start off by asking you, what has been your uh, passion for cricket or what drives your passion for cricket all these years? Well, I've just been, I started off as an avid follower of cricket, uh, of cricket since my young childhood days. And I was like, uh, finding reasons not to go to school during match days. And sort mm-hmm. of skipping school for matches. And sort of that drew me to cricket. And then I took up cricket in my school days and into my college days. So played a little bit of cricket myself. Yeah, so that's my... And yeah, and my sort of that's in my family as well. My mom is a very, uh, very big fan of cricket. So yeah, so lunch, breakfast, lunch and dinner used to come from outside when there's a cricket match. So you can, you can know where it comes from. Interesting. It's in the blood, you may say, right? And uh, <laughs> absolutely. also fantastic to hear that, you know, somebody who takes their cricket so seriously that they would avoid cooking and avoid any disturbances on that day. That's fantastic to hear oh, that uh, I have a <laughs> fan following at home. Uh, moving on, let's look at some of the ongoing matches. So let's begin with India's matches. So uh, uh, since mm-hmm. our previous episode, there has been the fifth 30 uh, in the series between India and New Zealand, which was played at Mount Maunganui. So looking at the scorecard here, uh, so India made a... 163 for 3 comfortably chasing down New Zealand's, uh, or rather, New Zealand failed to chase India's 163 for 3 and they ended up at 156 for 9. So, in this case, India batted first. Rahul, who's been continuing his good form, made 45. Uh, Rohit Sharma, the captain, uh, slid down to number 3 to accommodate Sanju Samson, who had an unfortunate failure again. But Rohit Sharma made 60 and he retired hurt. And we'll get to this point. It's an important point for India for the rest of the tour, right? So, Shreya Sayar made 33 and uh, 163 for 3. Looked a bit under par, one can say. Uh, when it comes to bowling, Saudi was very costly. But uh, Scott Kuglain and Hamish Bennett did a good job, taking two and one wickets respectively. So when it came to the chase, uh, New Zealand started a bit sedately, uh, losing Martin Guptill very early. and uh, But Colin Munro was able to provide a bit of a turbocharged start, but he only made 15. Tim Seifert, the keeper, batting at number three, made 50. And Ross Taylor, who uh, got out again very close to the end, had made 53 or 47, but could not take New Zealand home. Apart from that, he saw the hit out towards the end when, let's say, the result was more or less confirmed in the last over. And he brought New Zealand's, uh, let's say, the defeat margin very small, but the match was lost at that point in time. So, Bumrah was man of the match for his uh, excellent, excellent uh, constricting bowling. He took 3 for 12 of his 4 overs. Sundar uh, took a wicket of his 3 overs. And then, Saini and Thakur took 2 wickets each, though Thakur was a bit costly. So, you know, what are your recollections about this game? Were you able to catch it live? Uh, well, uh, actually, I was uh, uh, on my uh, way to Goa then. I was actually on vacation. So, I was actually on my way to Goa. But, yeah, I was uh, keenly following this on ESPN Quick Info. Uh-huh. So, uh, yeah, it, 
And when we were following it, we sort of uh, thought the scoreline is going to be 4-1 because, uh, as you rightly said, I thought it's uh, the 163 score was a little uh, below par, right? given the batting power that uh, the New Zealand team had. Even though Kane Williamson was sort of decided to sit out of that match, it still was a pretty formidable batting lineup that they had. And as you uh, so as the match, uh, we saw it in the match, right? So it came down to the uh, final three or four overs where Bumrah actually uh, sort of spun his magic again uh, and showed his value in death overs. And probably that's the reason he's considered the best death bowler in the world now. And uh, yeah, so his four, uh, his three for 12 in his four overs were like priceless. Right, right. So that was all the positives. So Bumrah was indeed the man of the match. Do you think he's back to his best now after his injury? Um, I don't think so. He's still back to his best. He's still somewhere in the mid. He's still somewhere. Probably uh, he's not peaked as yet. You can, uh, uh, he he did struggle a bit in the course of the uh, throughout the uh, tournament. It says that he had a very good match in the final of uh, 2020 uh, there. But otherwise, I think he he had one of his uh, bad outings in the fourth one where he I think he gave away 54 runs. In mm. his four overs, mm. and mm. it was probably his second most expensive spin. So, prob- and it's not just the runs he's giving, but even probably the rhythm. When you look at him bowling, you feel that probably he's not hit his rhythm as yet. Right, right, right. No, I can understand. So, I would definitely say he's working into uh, his let's say form, best yeah. form. So, yeah. by the time the Test match series comes around, we hope you know he's hit peak form. Yeah, we yeah he's at peak form. Right. And he would be, he should be able to carry it down to Australia. Well, that's where it matters. Indeed. Well, the next point, well, Rohit Sharma's injury. So, Rohit Sharma had yeah, to retire Rohit hurt Sharma. after, uh, you know, what looked like a very serious looking injury. And uh, it seemed yeah. like, uh, you know, he might not be able to do too much uh, playing after that. And it really turned out exactly the same. That now he's going to not take part anymore in the tour. So, India will miss him both for the ODIs and for the tests. So, first of all, how big of a loss is this for the Indian team, do you think? Yeah, so uh, probably Rohit's absence is going to hurt us more in the white ball format, uh, given the form he's in and uh, with Shikhar Dhawan as well not being there, we would have preferred one of our regular openers to be there to give us the momentum there in the top. And with uh, both Dhawan and Rohit out now, uh, it's going to be the uh, new uh, the uh, a new opening pair now, right? So there's going to be a lot of pressure, there's going to be a lot of expectation on those guys. Right, mm-hmm. and more importantly, I think the uh, value that Rohit Sharma brings into the field, not just with his batting, but also uh, sort of with his vice captaincy in supporting Kohli during the uh, uh, decisioning, I think uh, India is going to miss him on that count. Indeed, that that is a very important point. The mature player in Rohit Sharma, the captain also, who's able to see things from a different perspective, right? Yeah, Kohli could have used that uh, help. Well, I mean, uh, we'll see how India fare, but uh, do you think? There are other beneficiaries of this. For example, Prithvi Shaw, as we are going to discuss in the upcoming ODA. Do you think there are some beneficiaries apart from, you know, Prithvi Shaw, Mayank Agarwal are the obvious candidates? Absolutely. So, Mayank Agarwal and uh, Prithvi Shaw, they are the obvious uh, beneficiaries of this uh, mishap with Rohit. But again, probably if you look at the longer run and you look at the test series as well, uh, now that uh, Shubman Gill has been uh, announced as his replacement, right? So probably these three youngsters are getting an opportunity, a very good opportunity to sort of uh, make a case for themselves, right? And uh, given the fact that probably uh, uh, Dhawan has got a, probably a couple of years left in him, right? 
first wedge it's going to be one of these three who's going to sort of mature, uh, sort of mature and take up the mantle of a regular opener i think it's uh, a good chance for these three guys mayank agarwal prithvi shah and shubhan get to showcase their skills and make a case for themselves here okay uh, yeah that seems very logical but uh, how about the presence of kl rahul also in the test squad so do you think he may get to open ahead of uh, somebody like uh, prithvi shah or do you think prithvi shah and mayank agarwal will open also in the tests yeah well ajit that's the uh, major question here because uh, uh, rahul is uh, has not uh, made up made to the squad as well, rather ah okay tada hanisha rahul is not in the squad at all so uh, he couldn't make it to the uh, 16 squad in the from the test perspective so yeah there's a lot okay. of there's a lot of chaos back in india here where his fans are sort of are demanding a reason as to why he was ignored for the test squad but yeah so that that's what that's where it remains he's uh, i think that's the reason why we have shubman gill who is sort of flown in as a replacement to rohit sharma for the tests hmm hmm all right now i think i was misinformed uh, thanks for correcting me no issues so yeah i think it makes sense that you know kl rahul has correctly made himself to be a good part of the you know the shorter format squads you know i have another question for you uh, this is about rishabh pant's future but maybe we can discuss this uh, once we discuss the odi right so shall we discuss the first odi now pawan can you maybe re- read out the scores for us once uh, 2020s were over we, uh, we started off with the uh, three match odi series and uh, the first odi started off with india's choosing to bat first right and uh, we came up with a formidable total we came up with a good score of 347 right and that was a score that probably new zealand had never chased that was probably uh, the highest score uh, to start with right and uh, for india we had shreyas iyer coming in at number 4 and uh, sort of establishing himself there now making a strong case of him for himself with a well made 103 uh, virat kohli as usual uh, delivered with a 50 there Uh, the good part was we had two openers who were both bright and sprightly there uh, prithvisha and mayank agarwal showed a lot of promise but unfortunately both of them failed to false shots there um, final impetus to the innings was again provided by rahul batting in at number 5 he seems to be making it his own now he made a 88 of 64 balls with six sixes and three fours and sort of that gave the impetus to the score to move it beyond Uh, the 300 310 that we were looking at right now uh, in the bowling department again uh, saudi was expensive though he picked up a couple of wickets he seems to be going through a bad patch sort of he made he he gave away 85 runs in his 10 overs and then bennett hamish bennett had a very bad uh, outing again 77 in his 10 we had uh, uh, colin de grandholm and nishim both of them who were relatively uh, economical ending up with not completing their quota of overs and we had saudi and bennett doing it right so probably that was a learning for the captain to captain there in tom latham and from a new zealand perspective in response they started off pretty sedately with martin guptill and uh, nichols going taking it slow uh, guptill sort of made uh, 32 there and sort of had again a, a false shot he failed to tackle but from there on it was all uh, uh, nichols and uh, Taylor first, who did well, but I think it was actually the impetus that uh, Tom Latham brought in with his 69, played a real captain's innings there, where he gave the push, and sort of that gave the uh, confidence to Taylor to take it off from there. And as we know, he finished it off with like 
two overs to spare. So chasing 347 in New Zealand against a bowling attack like India and chasing it with two overs to go, that was a pretty good effort from uh, New Zealand. What say, Ajay? Indeed. And uh, that was indeed some really special chase. A couple of small things that I wanted to point out. It looks like New Zealand has chased once 350 plus in a trans-Tasman trophy match. So in the Chapel Hadley ODI series previously against Australia. I think this was way back when, 2008-2009, I think, if I'm not wrong. They have chased a 350 plus target. But since then, indeed, they have not chased. So this was indeed a very special chase. Also, um, you know, a special word of mention to the way Tom Latham played. So, Ross Taylor was playing a little above run a ball, you know, strike rate of 110-ish. By the time Tom Latham came, he was the guy who really started injecting the momentum. And Ross Taylor was able to feed off it and uh, really, you know, go hard. So, when you look at Ross Taylor's innings, Ross Taylor actually reached 50 of 45 balls. But then when you look that he has finished uh, with a 109 not out of 84, you can see that in the next 39 balls, he's gone and hit 59 runs. So, um, there they played a very wonderful innings in spite of some small stutters towards the end, you know, because Ross Taylor stayed on. Yeah. Uh, he was able to wrap up the game comfortably for the Kiwis. So, they would take a lot of heart from it, right? So, they were a bit disappointed with the way they played. I think Ross Taylor made a comment about it, Paul. Yeah, so, uh, so Ross Taylor again was uh, sort of once they uh, once they uh, completed the 5 nil, uh, once they completed the 20 uh, series, uh, Ross Taylor acknowledged that he was not just defeated, it was the, it hurt them as Kiwis that they lost final to a uh, to a visiting side, and uh, it was their first whitewash uh, that's hurting them so badly. So yeah, definitely they they'll take a lot of heart from this win, and they'd like mm. to take it for, keep the momentum going into the one day series. Indeed. Now, if we were to go further, you know, that point that I had parked, uh, with KL Rahul performing uh, as well as he can with the gloves and, you know, sort of filling the middle-over role, at least in the ODIs and also in the T20s at the top of the order, do you think uh, he has leapfrogged Pant as the keeper of the ODIs or the limited-over series or is it too early to say that? I'd say it's a little too early and I hope they don't persist on that, uh, uh, on this game plan wherein they have Rahul sort of... Uh, Make him keep for, uh, make him keep and then utilize him in the uh, number five role because I think Rahul is more of a top order batsman. Yes, he has shown the skills that he can bat anywhere given that's given there. And uh, again, end of the day, he's a makeshift keeper, right? You don't want to risk Rahul by having by him having an injury in his keeping skills and that impacting his batting. You want you don't want to lose Rahul uh, as a batsman because of an injury to Rahul as a keeper. So we have Pant who's there. He's got the skill set. He's got the talent. So test out uh, Pant. If not Pant, then you have Sanju Samson. Again, hugely talented. We have another uh, wicketkeeper in Bharat, the Andhra wicketkeeper, who's again in the, who's been in the fringe for quite some time. So yeah, we have a couple of names there who can definitely make the uh, cut. But I think that this is going to continue till the 2020 World Cup in Australia. Rahul is mm-hmm. going to be the first choice keeper for Kohli. And only post that is when they'll probably make some more changes. Interesting. So, yeah, I mean, I I would also back your uh, thought process here. Uh, proper keeper always helps. And considering that uh, somebody like Pant or Samson can keep as well as bat very you know, explosively, they should be coming back to the 11. But again, it's also a problem of plenty because Rahul is able to open or bat in the middle order and keep. He gives you this flexibility. Pant can, can't probably open. You know, if required. So, with these things in mind, Rahul offers this flexibility. But uh, we'll yeah. see. I mean, we'll see how it goes. Right? I think Samson was given the audition 
uh, by being allowed to open in the T20s to see if you know he could take that spot where he's the regular keeper and also an opener. I think he yeah. unfortunately got out after a six and out or some such. Yeah. Right? So he, I think, he needs to settle down a bit. I think he comes across too nervy at this point of time. He just needs to sort of settle down and mm. show his actual talent. There's no dearth of talent in him. It's just that he's too eager to prove himself, probably. So he just probably just needs mm. to come. Yeah, make a case for himself. Ah, oh, makes sense. Let's see. But you know, very interesting times for the Indian Limited Over Series with the T20 World Cup coming up. I think the IPL will have a very pivotal role for all of these three candidates, right? Yeah, all and of these three candidates, and then all of these three candidates, and more importantly, the MS Dhoni conundrum there. So yeah, probably that's <laughs> going to get answered there. Let's see. Let's see. All right. Moving on, uh, let's now go on to the other international cricket going on. So, uh, we can take a quick look at the first ODI uh, between England uh, and South Africa that was played in Cape Town on the 4th of February. So, in this game, you know, England got dominated comfortably by South Africa. This, let's say, the new look South Africa, right? And they won the game quite comfortably. So, batting first, England made uh, 258 for 8 and they stuttered to that total, let me put it like that. So, openers, you know, Jason Roy made a runner ball 32, but nobody was really able to capitalize except Joe Denley in the middle order. They were a bunch of teen scores. Joe Denley hung on till the end, made a 87 of 103 balls and he was ably supported by Chris Wokes, who ensured that there was going to be a competitive total, right? And then uh, Tom Curran hit out a little towards the end and England got to 258 for 8. From South African perspective, Tabresh Shamsi made a very a telling impact by taking three middle-order wickets for just 38 runs of his 10. And there were some steady contributions from John John Smarts, you know, Buren Hendricks and uh, Luthor Sipamla. So, in this new-look South African team with Temba Bouma also included, uh, you know, uh, Quinton de Kock and Temba Bouma sort of shut the door on England during the chase. So, Quinton de Kock made 100. He made 107 and uh, of just 113 balls. And this was like a very conservative innings. Uh, Riza Hendricks failed, but Tumba Bouma, who came at 3, made 98 and he was really unlucky to miss out on 100. But uh, Hendrik van der Dusen stayed with him and together they comfortably took South Africa home. There was not a lot to write home about the England bowlers. Only Joe Root, who sort of introduced himself first change, uh, was able to take a wicket, uh, giving away just 35 runs. And Vokes was very steady and so was Jordan. But uh, against this batting lineup on defending such a low total, they had to be more incisive with the new ball. I think they missed the trick there. Uh, after uh, they took the wicket of, uh, you know, uh, Hendricks, there was not a lot else. So, what are your thoughts on this, Pawan? Were you able to catch this? Yeah, I, yeah, I was following this again. Uh, so, ESPN Quick Info is my, again, my uh, uh, go-to tool on cricket. So, I keep myself updated there and I was following it on the ball-to-ball commentary there. And what I, uh, as you rightly said, uh, English, uh, op- the opening bowlers, they missed the trick there. Right, so they allowed a lot of freebies to uh, both these players, both Quinton de Kock and Bobuma, where they initially allowed them to settle down by not giving them enough balls to play at. Right, so they were they were able to navigate those initial uh, uh, nervy times, and once mm-hmm. they had their eyes set, and then they did not have a big score to defend. So, right. as you rightly said, special mention to Bobuma, long considered a test player. Right. So he's really made a he's really made a name here. He's come forward. He's put his sort of hands up, and he's and uh, especially when Faf is not around now, right? With Faf not being there, uh, he's definitely uh, sort of elevated himself and uh, made a very strong case for himself with his 98. Yeah, as you said, unlucky to miss out on a well-deserved century, but yes, he's definitely come a long way. 
Uh-huh. So there were like now four debutants in this game. So two for England mm-hmm. and two for uh, South Africa. So John John Smuts was previously considered a T20 player, was given an ODI debut. So was Luto Sipamla, who's again one of those upcoming really fast left-arm bowlers. Really right? fast bowlers. And when it comes to England, they had two very interesting debutants. So Tom Banton, who batted in the middle order, who's been very successful in the county game and in the limited overs formats in England. So he was given a debut and so was Matthew Parkinson. Now this... Matthew Parkinson is the one that I'm really looking forward to. He's an old-school leg spinner who tosses up the ball, relies on drift, guile, and you know, turn rather than any uh, major variations in the way he gets his wickets. So he's very young. He's a way to go, I think. But uh, did you see how he bowled? I mean, it was a rude awakening. I would say it was a you know a standard debut. He was not able to take a wicket and went at five and a half an over. I don't know if you saw him bowl, uh, Paul. No, I missed his uh, bowling there. I I couldn't see him bowl. But yeah, there was a lot of uh, chatter on ESPN cricket info in terms of uh, the comments that were flowing in when he was bowling. Right, so people were talking mm-hmm. about how uh, how a regular leg spinner he is, rather than all these uh, spinners who've been uh, uh, impacted by the 2020 uh, uh, game. Right, he's not one of those who's got sort of influenced by that, and he's still a test bowler, if you want to call it so. Right, a test match leg spinner. Indeed. I mean, those old school values will always hold you in good stead if you are a spinner, especially a leg break bowler, right? You need a big heart. You need to toss the ball up, not be afraid of getting hit. Not everybody can be a Shane one. You just need to remember that, right? Exactly. All right. Going forward, in the second ODI, well, we are recording this in the rain delay, uh, in the second yes. ODI between England and South Africa. In this case, uh, South Africa are 38 for one, but it looks like you know the match is going to be continually affected by rain. If anything, it will be a very quick shootout between the two teams. Or it might be a completely lost ODA. This is my feeling, Paul. Right? Yeah, so, so it looks like that. There's mm-hmm. an inspection coming up in some time. But again, uh, there's no hope of a match of a gameplay. Yeah, let's hope for the best. But if not, well, the series will move on uh, with South Africa taking a lead. Moving on, uh, if you were to go on to the other international cricket. So Bangladesh and Pakistan started the first test today at Rawalpindi. So, this is the second team to tour Pakistan and play a test series. So, there was a lot of discussion previously whether Bangladesh will play just a limited over series or also play tests. So, finally, they were convinced and here they are. But they are still without some of their stalwarts. So, you know, that told on the way they played, I think, because Mushfiqur Rahim decided to not tour and uh, Shakib has been banned for a year, as we know. Right. So, that meant they were a weakened uh, attack, at least, or with the bat, they were a bit weakened. So, batting first, Bangladesh were... 233 all out. So they had a bunch of really useful contributions in the middle order. So Nasmul Hassan uh, Shanto made 44. Mominul Haq, the captain, made 30. Mahmudullah, the seasoned pro, sort of disappointed for me, made just 25. Mohammad Mithun Dagin made 63. And then keeper Litton Das, 33. And Taijul Islam, who bowls left arm spin, but can bat a bit, made 24. So it was overall okay. Shahin Shafridi was a bit unlucky to miss out. Uh, he took 4 for 53. And the last wicket to fall was a run out. Unfortunately, but uh, he was bowling, but it's okay. You know, the team did a good job there. Muhammad Abbas was back to his really, really, you know, miserly best. 17 overs, uh, 2 for 19. Uh, Nazim Shah was a bit costly, but as we know, he's very exciting and he's picking up. And uh, Yasir Shah was, something is really wrong with this guy. It's something I'll park because it's a longer discussion, but 22 overs, 83 uh, runs, no wicket. And uh, he's been a little bit off uh, in the last couple of series. Uh, let's see if he can pick himself up. And then Hari Sohail, the left-arm spinner, who was the variety, was able to pick up two uh, wickets, considering just 11 runs in his six overs. So, uh, were you able to catch any of this at all? 
Um, no, again, again, I was just following it on ESPN Quick Info because, uh, yeah, this was sort of a working day here, so I couldn't catch up much on television on this. But uh, I don't think so. Even in India, you have a live telecast of this. So again, I was uh, keenly following this in ESPN Quick Info, given the fact that Bangladesh sort of agreed to uh, travel to Pakistan and uh, actually have a full series there. So yeah, they definitely uh, show uh, their performance definitely showed. Uh, their reliance on Mushfiqur uh, Rahim and uh, Shakib Al Hassan, right? So you can see that though there were a bunch of good starts, none of them were able to actually convert it into a big score. And uh, probably that's the stability that they require at the other end, which Rahim and uh, or uh, Shakib Al Hassan provides them, right? So again, as you rightly said, Mamadullah, a sort of a disappointment given us being a senior pro there, should have been able to contribute a little more than that 25 there. Right. You know, uh, they had a new debutant as well, Saif Hassan. I don't know if they could have gone back to one of the uh, more tried Imrul Kais or somebody. I don't know what is the, uh, no, what, what is his form and whether he's you know ready to be selected back. But I would have gone because it's an away tour with an experienced uh, opener, considering that the rest of the order is not very experienced either. But well, I mean, they will definitely rue the missed opportunity. They could have built up a 300 plus score and put some pressure on Pakistan. Right. So that was unfortunate indeed. So... Uh, but well done to Pakistan. So they'll now look to be in a good control of this game. So if they are able to bat two days or something and, you know, get a 150 run plus score uh, lead, let's say, in the first innings, they're in a good position here. So this game is also played in Rawalpindi, just like the previous tour of Sri Lanka. So mm-hmm. I guess the next test would be in Lahore or Karachi. And that will usually be a tougher test for the visiting team. So this would be a good chance for the visiting team to win. But let's see how the test match unfolds, right? Yeah, absolutely, Ajit. So Pakistan's probably looking at batting once, bat big get a good lead, as you rightly said, a lead of 150 to 200. And then uh, the uh, probably a fourth or a fifth day pitch. I think even an out-of-form Yasir Shah would definitely be potent there. Right? And then, uh, so mm-hmm. I think that should be, uh, anything above 150 or 200 should be difficult for Bangladesh to sort of outscore that and give a sizable lead for Pakistan to chase and come back. So I think Pakistan would definitely be looking at batting once, bat big. Uh, Again, Babarazam, you have Babarazam who's in good form. Shan Masood is in good form there, right? Mm, mm. And um, Azhar Ali and Asad Shafiq, both the senior pros, they would definitely be trying to sort of prove their worth in the team since they all good. Uh, sort of recall into the team. So, yeah, it's, it's looking good for Pakistan. Indeed. Now, uh, let's move on. Uh, we have, I think, covered most of the ongoing uh, live cricket. But if you were to look at some of the points off-field, so I think you follow the Ranji Trophy roundup a bit keenly, the Indian domestic first-class trophy. So mm-hmm. you have some interesting takeaways. I spoke to you off-air, Pawan. Would you like to discuss them? Yeah, yeah. there have been a couple of standout performers here, right? So you can look at uh, Sarfraz Khan, right, who, was prob- who had so much of talent, but um, fitness was his issue and there was a lot of uh, talk on how uh, careless he was right, regarding his cricket. And he made a switch. He came down to Mumbai and uh, he started playing for Mumbai there. And uh, this year, this def- this year, he's definitely made a turnaround. Uh, he's been probably one of those uh, highlights for Mumbai, uh, given their dismal uh, performance this season. I think Safras Khan is definitely one of those positives that they can take. Uh, one of the few players in the world actually took back his a triple hundred with a a double century and then again he made a 78 i was actually looking forward for another century from him there but yeah he missed out on that so 78 there again in his last match against arashtra 
right so yeah definitely sarfraz khan making all those right moves to sort of bring himself back into the reckoning right uh, that's one and then we have a very uh, interesting uh, again a, a medium pace bowler coming up in the name of ravi yadav from madhya pradesh again uh, created a sort of a record a record of sorts when uh, he picked up a hat trick in his on debut on his first over right again in, the, in his second match against karnataka as well he was potent he was the one who sort of had those early strikes against us against karnataka but then again uh, probably didn't get the support he needed and uh, the karnataka batsmen were able to sort of get out of the hole and post a good first inning score there so these are uh, the two uh, exciting talents that are coming out apart from that you definitely have the old horses in uh, wasim jafar who's the first indian local cricketer to reach 12000 runs runs then you have wow. surya kumar yadav the uh, the war horse from mumbai who's been as consistent as one can uh, one can be and uh, still is not finding probably the eyes of the cricket uh, of the selection committee there so for some strange reason they are still ignoring him he's one de- player who i would definitely love to see in indian colors especially in the limited overs format he's doing all the right things but unfortunately sort of being overlooked again he's come up with a wonderful century in the second innings and uh, against uh, saurashtra there where he sort of bailed him out mm-hmm. so yeah so this is sort of the round up from and again you have uh, padikal from karnataka the left handed batsman who had right. uh, was in sort of superb form throughout the uh, season now be it the uh, the list a cricket or the said mustaq trophy in the 2020s he was uh, in the top 3 run getters throughout the season he's had a sort of an indifferent start to the uh, again in his sort of had an indifferent ranji season so far in uh-huh. the longer format but in the shorter format definitely he has been uh, he was in superb form so these are some of the standout players from the uh, local ranji uh, round up ajit now when you look at uh, sarfraz journey it's been very interesting for me so making 605 runs before being dismissed in three innings you know sarfraz has now leapfrogged into the top 6 set of batsmen to have made the most runs before being dismissed so this is a very unique record Absolutely. so yeah. you know and ravi yadav is so unusual he's the first ever first class cricketer to take a hat trick in his first ever over in first class cricket right so that's like a really really unique record considering 140 plus years of first class cricket history that we have across many many countries right so there is only one other player who apparently took a hat trick in his very first over but he had already played you know four other matches but this guy is really unique because first match first over hat trick like what a way to announce yourself yeah what a way to announce yourself so he's done really well uh, we don't know if he has uh, you know higher aspirations but uh, who knows at least he might have a very productive cricket career with ipl and first class cricket and maybe he, he may even get a chance to play for india so we wish ravi yadav all the best same for sarfraz khan you know how temperamental he is but how talented no doubt so uh, can he make the best of his talent and maybe play for india one day uh, we are really looking forward to these two people you know hearing more about them right going forward uh, you know uh, we have been discussing this charge sheets against uh, kpl uh, owners and kpl players who have been previously accused or booked under uh, suspicions of taking part in match fixing so we have come to know that there are two senior karnataka players or former karnataka players in uh, cm gautam and abrar kazi who been named and charge sheeted same for a couple of owners right so you have uh, yeah. ali asfak thara who's from belgavi panthers and arvind reddy who's from bellary tuskers so also a couple of other players so nishant shekhawat and vishwanathan who both played for bangalore blasters so there have been 16 people who have been charge sheeted 
so finally this let's say the, uh, the investigation is moving forward and this is going to be a big you know blow to the karnataka cricket setup because this was the first non ipl let's say uh, cricket tournament to be happening in india format and it had a very good reputation but it looks like you know they are going to suffer a bit all what do you think absolutely and most shocking is uh, the name of cm gautam there right he was uh, long considered he was for a very long time a fringe player even from in india perspective so many of the, he played india he played for india a as well right so uh, not not sure really as to sort of what uh, load them into this uh, uh, because i think they were this was actually a very reputed tournament if, as you rightly said apart from ipl and we had a pretty uh, successful couple of seasons but this one definitely is a blow a more of a reputation loss to these guys right and uh, it's going to take some time for karnataka cricket to recover from this indeed so we really hope you know they did postpone kpl this season as well until their negotiation yes. is completed so we hope the you know the karnataka cricket can recover from this small back mark that has come up against their name well if we were to quickly look at uh, a preview of the world cup final of under 19 so bangladesh have joined india in the finals so bangladesh today you know uh, comfortably beat new zealand in potchfestrom in uh, south africa so mahmud hasan joy who scored 100 for bangladesh has led bangladesh into the final so we are really looking forward to how it goes so a very exciting time for uh, bangladesh and india with their you know young players also performing really well so we wish both the teams best of luck and may the best team win the under 10 under 19 world cup right going forward let's now look at the trivia section so the trivia question from the previous episode was what is the highest score at number 6 in first class cricket so there was a lot of talk about sarfraz khan scoring his you know triple uh, 100 and so on so the highest first class score at number 6 in first class cricket is karun nair's 328 in the ranji trophy finals of 2014-15 season so the second highest indeed is uh, sarfraz khan's uh, score right so sarfraz khan who made it not out in the latest ongoing ranji season this is the second highest score moving on to the trivia question from this episode right so we discussed that quinton de cock the captain the wicket keeper and uh, you know the opener from uh, south africa made 100 in an odi so the question for this episode is when did this last happen so who was the last captain who was an opener and also a wicket keeper who made 100 in an odi so you'll have to go back a few years but if you have been following this on any social media platforms you probably know the answer so we got the idea to this question thanks to at cow starts that is kaustub on twitter so we thank him for uh, this idea uh, for our question so we've had a very nice discussion pawan would you like to add anything else to to this episode today uh, no ajit it was an absolute pleasure to be on the show and uh, sort of have a good discussion on cricket that's something which i i miss with you not being around in Uh, india here but yeah that's definitely something which i look forward to and uh, definitely if there's anything which we would like to sort of add on in the future episode i'd be more than happy to be a part of that indeed so we would like to also have you as a co-host in the upcoming uh, episodes let's see how that works out thanks a lot for your participation i wish all our listeners are able to listen to one of our episodes and are able to boost uh, this uh, podcast this is a fan cricket podcast to their other cricket fans so you are our real strength so we always request you to listen to us send us answers to the trivia question or any comments you may have you could get in touch with us on facebook or twitter or um, you know send us a mail at amchat.cricket@gmail.com and also you could leave uh, a comment on whichever podcasting platforms you do listen we have uh, listed a couple in our uh, you know episode notes so do go there 
so thanks a lot for listening guys uh, and have a wonderful day that's all for this episode of amateur cricket podcast bye bye you're listening to the armchair cricket podcast 